podcast <laughs> welcome to episode i don't even know of no challenges remaining i'm ben rothenberg courtney nguyen we are here to break down the australian open draws 2020 first slam of the decade big decade energy happening on this show how are you doing <laughs> big decade energy yes no i'm fine i'm honestly i'm i'm ready to fast forward to monday i just want to see how this all this whole thing shakes out and um yeah, it just feels like it's been this weird, like, lead up. I don't know. I don't know if you feel this way at all, but it it's felt like a very weird start to the season. It's felt, like, very arrhythmic. Yeah. Um, And I can't tell if it's because the, like, ATP the schedule. Club, it could be. I mean, that's, that's the big change also starting after, starting so late. You know, like, normally I'm on a plane, you know, the 27th of December, and this year I wasn't on a plane till, till the, the, the 2nd or 3rd, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been very weird. And yeah, maybe ATP Cup having impact in Brisbane. And but then the tennis was great when when the girls were I don't know. It's just, it's been, it's been a thing. And I'm kind of like hoping that like once the slam starts that everything will feel familiar and will lock back in place. But as of right now, everything just feels very ephemeral. Yeah, hypothetical. I don't know. Non-concrete. We'll make a note on that. Actually, there is some non-concrete ephemera in this draw for us because we record. Usually, we wait to record these until after the qualifiers are placed. Mm-hmm. This year, we are not doing that because the qualifying won't finish until Saturday. We don't want to. We want to give you guys longer. We're recording this on Friday. A couple of the qualifiers have already come through, notably uh, NCR Faith and Lee making it through okay. to her first Grand Slam main draw. A former Wimbledon junior runner-up, Jeannie Bouchard. We thought was going to be the uh, big name qualifier, but she just fell. In the last round, yeah, very disappointing. To, uh, Trevisan of Italy, so that was surprising. Given her, she looked pretty good in, in Auckland, yeah. to be quite honest. So, and she looked pretty good through the first two rounds of, yeah. of the quali. So that was, a, I think, people were pretty surprised today when Jeannie did not make it. And not that you know, obviously, Jeannie Bouchard is bankable these days per se, but still, it was a surprising, yep. surprising result coming through. Um, yeah, I'm ready to go too. Let's let's talk about some tennis. Let's talk, let's some, talk tennis. some Let's talk some turkey. Let's talk some draws. We're going to start with the women's draw today. Uh, let's start right at the top. Ashley Barty, first time top seed at a major. Uh, for in of the home country person since I believe Serena twenty sixteen U S, uh, so it's been a few years. Was she not top seed at Wimbledon? No, I'm saying the a home. Oh, player. sorry, I stopped yeah. listening and I was running numbers <laughs> in my head. Sorry, yeah. Andy Murray actually, because he would say female player, because mm-hmm. Andy Murray was top seed at Wimbledon twenty seventeen, so he's the most recent native player in a gotcha. single straw. Uh, to use a gender neutral term, but Corny, what do you think of Ash Barty's? I got an email. <laughs> to tell me how what to think about Ash Barty, it did. It did. I'm just going to read it now. Yeah, please. Um, Courtney, uh, what you think about Ash Barty's draw is pretty good. Um, I think that yes. um, on the draw whole, winner. and interestingly, you and I disagree on what I'm about to say, but um, oh. only because I saw it on Twitter. Uh, is that I think that the draw winners were were Barty and Pliskova. I think that in in the on the whole, it's difficult to call anybody, especially a top seed. Uh, a draw winner on the women's side because of the depth and because there's just I mean it's not like Sorenko's not a good player and isn't capable of pulling off that win or you know she Barty could play Elena Rybakina in the third round who was like outside the top 150 12 months ago now is a seeded player at number 29 made the final in in uh, Shenzhen to start the year the stealthiest seed I think yeah. in a long time so I've been talking to several people about 
her in the, this month already being like, do you know who this is? <laughs> I have not seen her play. I don't think I've seen her play. A lot of people haven't seen her play. We're like, people are saying, oh, because she's been this off the radar a year ago. She's yeah. won 80 something, yeah. I think, at the start of last season. And she made her hay up the rankings through some pretty side tournaments. Mm-hmm. I mean, like tournaments that aren't, like, I think Bucharest she did well at. She did well at Shenzhen, which St. is Petersburg. like, yeah. So, like, not tournaments that necessarily a lot of people tune into all the time. But, but look, she's this bold faced name in this draw yeah. with how deep women's tennis is right now to be the number 20, Nine. 29 seed. Yeah, that's, it takes some yeah, doing think... to be a top 30 seed. So, all credit, good pickup for Kazakhstan. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, cu- I'm curious to see more. I'm, I'm hoping that she makes it through to the third round just so I can get a chance to watch her. Honestly. Yeah, no, so it, it's like, you know, with Barty, you have that, and then, you know, she could meet a, a Risk or Martich, both quality players in the round of 16. Quarterfinals likely against either Petra or Madison Keys, both of whom played incredibly well, obviously, in Brisbane. So they seem to be on form. But, you know, you look at that and you're like, that's not a good draw, but... It could have been so much worse as we will get to once we get into the second quarter or if we go to like Simona Halep and what, you know, she she got as, as the number four seed. So I think that it's for me when I look at draws and when I look at like draw winners and draw losers, I don't really or even like whether they got a good or bad draw. I don't really even look towards the end. To me, it's like who who has a tough road in the first, first week, week. Yeah. because the first week, you know, we say this all the time at, at, at tour events, ATP and WTA, there's an argument to be made. Hell of a lot harder to 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 win titles at a Masters given the draw size, given the, you know, you don't really get as easy of draws. And we talk about Brisbane and, and the strength of that draw. WTA Brisbane, my God. WTA yeah. Brisbane was insane. Uh, there was no ATP Brisbane, Ben. Um, but uh, there wasn't. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just clarifying. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so... Um, for me, it's like, you know, the, so therefore par for the course at a slam is that your first like two or three rounds should be pretty doable given the size of the draw. Uh, whereas at tour events, that wouldn't be the case. So that's how I measure it. So I think that like Barty and Pliskova, I think that their first two or three rounds are pretty good. And then things kind of ramp up, you know, once they get to the, to the quarters and so, but, um, yeah, I think this is a really, this is as probably good of a draw as Ash Barty maybe could have hoped for, especially, I mean, she's won her last three matches against Petra Kvitova. She's beaten Madison Keys. I think she's won her last two matches against Maddie as well, both of their meetings last year. So this is this is pretty good. This should give her confidence. The only tricky thing for Ash is that if she, we're recording this before the semifinals in Adelaide. Yeah. If she makes the final in Adelaide, that will be played on Saturday. Ash will be up night session on Monday. So she will have, you know, it's only a one-hour flight or whatever, but it is a pretty quick turnaround, especially given how much media obligation she will kind of be needing to do on Sunday, which theoretically would be her off day. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a curveball for Ash if she makes Saturday's final. Um, if not, then it should be all you know, pretty standard for her. But yeah, I think this is a really good draw for her. I think she'll have the crowd behind her. I mean, the crowds in, in Brisbane and Adelaide just for Ash have been fantastic, um, which has been amazing to see. Um, packed so, out doubles final. Packed out doubles Brisbane. final. Yeah, that was that, that doubles final was fun. That yeah, was, was good. Lit. That was good. Um, yeah, and missed out on, get, on getting an opportunity to put her out on, on Pat Rafter Arena again in the semifinals because she got to walk over there in yeah. the doubles. So it's it's this is good for Ash. This is doable. The for one Ash. the one name who you didn't really dwell on, who I will dwell on in Ash's draw, is possible fourth round against Risk, who yes. beat her at Wimbledon yes. in the same stage. And so that's and Risk is we were sort of buzzing about her in Brisbane too, where she had another good tournament. Yep. Took a set off Pliskova, I believe, yep. in the in the quarters there. No, uh, straight sets, but tight. Okay, tight. At set point, maybe it's tiebreak or something. Anyway, 
Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it was tight. I was impressed by Risk, and I've been impressed by Risk all last 12, 13 months. I mean, she's been really climbing, really very solid top 20 player who shows no sign of slowing down. And it's not someone who seems super daunted by big stages. So she's the one person I would expect yeah. Risk in current form to get past Mardich. Yep. And I, then I think Risk is the toughest test before the quarter. So I think she's, it's a, she's, she's a dark horse. She's yeah. a good dark horse if, like, you know, I intend to write my dark horses piece or my, like, players to watch piece. And Risk is definitely on the short list there. Um, definitely potential to, to break open that bracket. Um, and a great matchup against against Ash. She, she doesn't seem to be too bothered with that matchup, which is great. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Still tricky, no guarantees, but uh, all in all, a I think Ash will take that given how 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 trickier it could have yeah, been. Yeah, definitely. And and we mentioned in our last show we did together from Brisbane, sort of recapping the women's field, how impressed we were by both Keys and Kvitova yep. at that tournament. They were some of those. The final four in Brisbane were so solid: Keys, Kvitova, Pliskova, and Osaka. So those two are together. Only one will make the quarters. It's kind of an unfortunate draw based on their momentum, but yeah. they, they can handle I mean, seven versus ten is not a bad draw. It's not, but it's, it's tough for both of them if they have to meet as early as the, the, the round of 16. Yeah. That's pretty brutal because they and their match in Brisbane was a, was a nail-biter. One name I've seen here I hadn't noticed before, first round for Madison Keys against Daria Kasakina, um, who normally I would say, like, whoa, trouble for Keys, but... Dasha's been like kind of off the rails the last like twelve months. I mean, you you've watched her a lot. Where I'm curious what you've yeah no. seen from her in the last last you know while lack of track her. Yeah, lack, she was top ten this time last yeah, year. Yeah, lack of lack of confidence is is the primary thing. Lack of a, a little bit of a plan. Started to get some traction at the end of last year, um, once she kind of solidified her coaching relationship with with um, Carlos Martinez, uh, who is uh, formerly coached uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova. Yeah. Kind of still coaches Svet a little bit, but. Um, yeah, so it'll take some time to get that back on back on track, but you know I think that we have known this about Kasakina since she first played is that when she's on, when she's can play aggressive tennis, when she's making the right decisions on the court, she's great. She's a top ten player. When she's not, it can go wrong very very quickly because the misses come when she tries to be aggressive but isn't really fully committed, and without like kind of full power all the time she can also get blown off the court yeah. by power hitter so that's a tough matchup early round for for dasha also in here a player who hasn't started off as well as i think she probably would have liked is 22 seed maria sakari um just she hasn't gotten traction in the two tournaments that she played in brisbane tough draws, yeah. tough draws Os- but, but winnable Beckage, right? but winnable matches i mean osaka was one thing but uh, but with Vekage, kind of really went away after taking the first set there so tough hasn't had the matches she's a player who likes to have matches but, you know, a pretty good draw for her. I mean, opens against Kasparian, um, not, not bad. And then either a qualifier or punch wise. So could find herself into that third round against the Madison Keys, and that's a tough matchup. Yeah. I mean, I think that on the whole, this is a pretty tricky draw for Madison if the players that are in her draw kind of show up. Maddie's a draw loser. Yeah, J- Maddie's a draw loser, I think, especially given how well she played definitely, in Brisbane. Definitely. Um, so there is that. Um, yeah. Second quarter is the loaded quarter of this draw, the one that got the sort of quarter of death. My headlines. I mean, let's start. I'll start in a weird order, but my draw story just so I can rehash it and not to do any new work uh, to be mentally lazy. Coco Golf starts off with the say in against in a battle of unseated. The battle of unseated. Probably gonna be a Rod Laver match, I would imagine. Battle of un- no. Is it already out the schedule? Yeah. Oh, they're on Margaret Court Arena. Okay, good enough. Uh, Golf against Venus Williams. Uh, as they played also first round of Wimbledon, remarkably, uh, playing again, the oldest player versus the youngest player in the draw. So that's pretty, the narratives write themselves for this match, obviously. And then if golf advances to the third round, uh, which she'd have to beat probably Barbara Stritseva or uh, maybe Kirstea in the second round, then she'd get Naomi Osaka, who she played in the third round 
of US Open when Naomi was defending champion. She's also defending champion here. So it's a very, already some familiar feelings for Coco Goff in her brand new uh, newborn career here. Uh, this is this is the loaded section. Osaka's the high seat number three defending champion. Bottom of this quarter, just to skip ahead a little bit, Serena is in here too. And then, you know, some tough outs. Sophia Kennan is in the Osaka eighth, the draw too, along with Sloan Stevens. She's had a rough start to 2020, so maybe not one who's coming in with a lot of confidence or reason for enthusiasm. But this is a, a rough dr- rough luck all the way around. Even add in, like, Diana Shremska here as a possible fourth round for Serena, who is uh, into the Adelaide final as we record this today. Yeah, uh, and Kanta, who's obviously been a great Grand Slam player within Wozniacki the last year. Wozniacki also in Yeah, Wozniacki is well. unseated starting against Christian. Possible second round for Yastrzemska. That's a tough... I mean, on is not the worst matchup for, for Wozniacki, who's playing pretty well in Auckland, but Yastrzemska, Kanta, Serena. You know Woz, I'm sure, wants to, really wants to get to that Serena match yeah. if she can. That's <clears> like sure. the kind of perfect... If she, perfect not coda. that she wants to lose any match, but the perfect sort of finale after playing doubles with Serena in well, she, Auckland. Regardless of what the result of that match would be, I think that for Wozniacki, you want to see her finish her career on a big court. Yeah. You want to see her finish her career on a marquee match under the lights. And, you know, uh, well, whether that would be under the lights is debatable because one of the things to keep in mind about the scheduling for the Australian Open, especially with the players that are the marquee players for this specific tournament, you're going to see a lot of these women have to play during the day session because of the U.S. TV times. So, for example, Goff and Venus, which everybody thought was going to be for sure night match, whatever court is not. It's the no. third match on um, on MCA, which is kind of primetime U.S. So something to keep in mind as you yeah. see the scheduling come out and you're like, why is Serena playing first on? Because ESPN wants Could have even been earlier, actually. Could have been. Yeah, Could have been. I mean, 7 p.m. Eastern is uh, 11 a.m. here. Oh, yeah, yeah. so it's going to be a pretty late match. Yeah. Decently late. I mean, prim- primish West Coast, depending on how long. Yeah. I think there's a best of five match before it. Yeah. At some point. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So just in terms of the, the windows, it's going to be pretty tricky. And so for Wozniacki, I think that she has this match against Christian um, on uh, the third court. I think. I don't think she's on MC- I don't think she's Mel- on MCA. Melbourne Arena? I think Melbourne Arena. I didn't check past, but I think it's Melbourne Arena. So, yeah. You know, you... Yeah. I don't think that love if, that. Yeah. yeah, you don't love that. That court's a little... I don't know if they've made improvements or whatever, but it's it's... Especially for someone who won the title here two years ago, yeah. You kind of, but there's this is the thing that happens, and I think this especially because of this loaded draw, loaded like you draw, can't right? argue with it at all. Like you can't, like even everybody's like, "What Venus and Golf on MCA?" It's like, who are you gonna bump? Defending champ Aussie number one or Serena? Yeah. Like who you gonna, you want to put Serena on MCA? Okay. Good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, sure. maybe you could. You maybe could. You I'm could. not saying you couldn't. Um, but yeah. Serena, I think is a big as much as this is a loaded section. I think Serena's actually a big first week winner. I think that her True. opening yeah. matches, uh, starting against Anastasia Potapova, and then uh, Tamara Zidancic or Han ne- uh, Nale of Korea, who's not a name I've ever said out loud before, as you could probably tell, who's the won the Asia wildcard playoff this year. And then Wang Chung is her potential seed, who she demolished at US Open last year. Uh, it's a very comfortable opening week yeah. for Serena. So very she has to yeah. be, be happy with that. And then, yeah, then it gets tough in a hurry when she gets Wozniacki, Yashemska, or Kanta. Yastrzemska the, or even Carolyn be... Garcia is in here as an unseated. I didn't notice her before. Yeah, Garcia is in there, but like, uh, yeah, Yastrzemska, Serena round of sixteen would be a would be a blockbuster. Obviously, Yastrzemska now being coached by Sasha Bayan. Oh yeah. So there's that, um, <laughs> and also Yastrzemska is just playing incredibly well. And also they played last year. Uh, I think it was a third round. Third here. round, yeah, and and Yastrzemska just completely froze. And 
um, had a nice moment with Serena at the net and is a big Serena stan yeah. for those of you who get... You like, tell that story about the shadow swinging or whatever sure, she was doing? Sure, yeah. yeah. told a story last year ahead of playing Serena that when she was younger, she idolized Serena, that there was a final at the Australian Open where Serena was playing and she was down the scoreline and Yastrzemska, young Yastrzemska in Ukraine, runs upstairs, grabs a racket and then runs back downstairs and is shadow swinging with Serena. Um, and Serena starts to turn the match around and starts to win points and points, be, you know, points become games and games become sets. And then that was the match. And um, so they shared a very lovely moment last year. Yastrzemska came up to her in the locker room and was like, you're, you know, you're amazing. Your daughter's amazing. And um, and then when she just completely froze in that match, I think Serena like maybe bageled her. I'm not sure, but it was pretty it was pretty dire. It was um, uh, but uh, Serena was incredibly gracious and, and gave her a good hug and, and kind of uh, comforted her in her kind of, uh, I guess, embarrassment, I suppose, and, and just disappointment. So um, I would love to see that route of 16 happen. I'll do respect to from a tennis perspective. I would love for storyline perspective to see Waz yeah. Serena in that round of 16. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll definitely see because again, Yastrzemska, she's played a lot of tennis, you know, into the final of, um, of, uh, Adelaide on Saturday, having beaten, uh, Sabalenka today, pretty dominant form. So, um, yeah, also a quick turnaround for her. So that's the quarter to watch for sure of both draws. Uh, the bottom half of the draw is relatively more open then, because I think most of the contenders, including Barty, including Fitova, including Keys, who, and not including Pliskova, he mentioned earlier, is the Brisbane champ, comes in at number two. Um, she has this draw. I think she has to be really happy with her. Well, actually, no, we disagreed you on said, that. You said you, you well, said you because she. Oh, well, we'll start with the third quarter, get to Pliskova in a sec, just to sort of keep this going uh, in top-to-bottom order. The fourth, third quarter of the draw, the high seed is Simona Halep, number four. Also, the uh, opposite end of this quarter, Belinda Benchich, and here's the number six seed. Uh, Halep is, a, I think, a big old draw loser, uh, opening against Jen Brady, who just came had a really good week in Brisbane, beating Maria Sharapova and Ash Barty back-to-back. And then, uh, yeah, and then she could get Daniel Collins potentially in the third, or she could get, wait, am I reading this right? Yeah, yep. she could get Daniel Collins potentially in the third round, or Suhei Shea. Uh, or Potentiva, or Potentiva. This, is, not this is a nightmare ideal. draw. I mean, uh, Collins, she mentioned, has been, it's currently, we're, we're recording this before her Adelaide semifinal against Ash Barty. Collins has turned in some real destructions of some really good players. <laughs> Already two top 10 wins on the season, both one over Svitolina where she dropped two games, uh, one over Benchich that was also... Four games. Yeah, four games, equally dominant. Um, she's played even better, in my opinion, in Adelaide compared to Brisbane because in Brisbane, um, yeah, in Adelaide, it just feels like she's like truly embraced kind of... You, you remarked about this in, in Brisbane. She was quiet. Very quiet. She was she was a little bit subdued, Danielle Collins in Brisbane, and Ben and I talked about it a little bit offline because we talked to her in interviews and things like that, and we just weren't sure. Right after the Svitolina win, she was yeah. not remotely she, euphoric. No, she, the opposite she was like is. whatever, you know, like yeah. business, um, and not even in a swaggy way. Just it seemed like in a and for those who don't know, because I guess the news did come out in the off season and um, or not in the off season, but late in the season, and I think people were a little bit checked out. But uh, Danielle Collins uh, late last year was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and, uh, she spoke about it quite a bit in, to us in, um, in Brisbane, um, just about, um, kind of feeling like she had put it behind her a little bit that, you know, modern medicine and, and Wozniacki said very similar things, uh, about how like, you know, modern medicine these days, like you can actually, you can get that treatment and you can feel better pretty quickly and learn how to live your life and, and be disciplined in, in what you need to do in order to ma- uh, maximize the, 
um, the potential that you're going to be full of energy the next day, stuff like that. But I feel like in Adelaide, it's been the vintage Danielle. So she's been loud on the court. She's been really big on fist pumping. The swagger's been there. Um, and that's the Danielle I know. And that's love. A, that's the Danielle I know and love. That's the Danielle that that is compelling to me. So I'm super excited to see how she fares against Ash Barty today, who's rounding into form as well. But I think this will be a good test for Ash in the semis. Quick plug: I forget which issue it's in, but hopefully this is findable. Who, whichever issue of Racket has the Danielle Collins feature, it's one of my favorite like Racket magazine stories that of the magazine's history. It's really good. Captures her like unapologetic swag in this really cool way, and and the photos are great too from Radka. Uh, so go check that out. Yeah, so so on the other half, so Simona's in there, this tough section. Um, and then the, the other eighth of this draw, I feel like just is a really kind of good classic modern WTA free-for-all. Like a lot of <laughs> players who there's no, even with benches being the six, I mean, she hasn't had enough, she hasn't done that many times at a grand slam coming in and taking care of business per se as a high seed. So she's a bit unproven as the high seed here. But then you have, you know, Ostapenko in there, Kontavite, Vekic versus Sharapova first round, Korne, Iga Sviatek. Carla Suarez Navarro in her farewell year against uh, Arena Sabalenka first round. Like any of the names I just said, I think are plausible, you know, quarterfinalists here. Maybe not Cornish. She's never made a quarterfinal of a slam, which is, I think, like the most slams that ever doing that. Yeah, so, I yeah. think that it's very much kind of the, the um, you know, the who's got next uh, section of the tour. You know, these players who, if you follow the tour, you know how dangerous they are on any given day. Annette Contavite can beat almost anybody on, on any given day. Vekic has been just improving, improving, improving. Maria still has some magic left in her, I do believe, um, and still can get that win Looked over Vekic. pretty sharp in Brisbane. I, I thought she... Third set tiebreak loss to Brady. It's she not... didn't look sharp. I mean, she did look sharp in the first set. And then after that, well, she just couldn't. Oh my gosh, the last two sets were a little bit dire. <laughs> and it, but but what was, was really great. kind of lovely about watching it though is that it, the second two sets were vintage Maria Sharapova as Maria Sharapova, which is I'm not playing great. I absolutely know it. I'm not a hundred percent. My shoulder's kind of hurting. Like blah 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 blah. But she just kept scrapping and scrapping and scrapping and coming up with some magic when she really, really needed it to stay in that match. But um, so Sharapova's in there. Sviatek, um, you know, we haven't seen play yet, had an injury uh, at the end of last season, has a new team. So we'll see and, and be paying attention to that. And then Sabalenka, who hasn't made it past the third round here at the Australian Open. She came into this tournament last year with a lot of hype as well. She had won Shenzhen and obviously had had a great 2018 season as well and got absolutely railroaded by Anisimova in that, that third round. So, you know, a lot of potential there for her. I like this draw for Sabalenka. I think that this is, this is if we can get a sabalenka Benchich round of 16, I think that's going to be great. But between, when you say it's a quintessential WTA kind of section, I do too, but I, I, I think of it more as like, if you were to tell me that Benchich or Kontavite or Vekic or Sabalenka, the four seeds in this section, that one of them would be in the quarterfinals of a major, I would be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Exactly. Like, th- none of that surprises me. No. I don't know which one. It's going to be just a coin flip once if they if they come through and go head-to-head. But um, And then I would add to that list for people who I would not, if you didn't show me the draw, I would just said, oh, hey, Ostapenko made the quarters of the Australian Open. I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Ostapenko. Sure. Or, hey, Sviatek made quarters of the Australian Open. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Maria made the quarters of the Australian Open. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, like, honestly, there's a lot of, like, plausible, if, if Cornet, like, good for her. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> good for Alize, um, who's now working with um, Sandra Zanevska, former coach of Petra Martic. So that's an interesting pairing and Carla too I mean Carla and Baba I mean like literally everybody's plausible which is WTA yeah. at its at its finest um, bottom quarter justice of... for Sarah Cerebus Tormo but go uh, ahead 
yeah. <laughs> Literally the only player we didn't <laughs> Oh, Astra Sharma. I actually like Astra Sharma. I love Astra Sharma. She's in here too, playing yeah. Contivate first round. Uh, bottom quarter of the draw is anchored by Carolyn Pliskova. Yeah, I don't like this. I don't agree with you on your take on this draw. I think this is a bad first week for Pliskova. Um, opening against Christina Mladenovic, who she's lost to twice in their four matches, uh, who's a player who really gets up. Grant, who's not been good this year. Uh, she lost to who in Brisbane? Oh, she lost to uh, Samsonova, Samsonova, Ludmilla Samsonova, who had herself a week, it should be said. Also beating Sloan Stevens in main draw. And then going against Coco Vandewey or Laura Siegemann, who will have a very different energy on court than Flitzkova, let's put it that way, in terms of demonstrativeness. And then uh, Pavlyuchenkova, potentially, who's just, I think, always a really tough out. And Do you know will... what Pliskova's record is against Pavlyuchenkova? Don't tell me. Guess it. 7-0. 6-0. Close. So, yeah. yeah so, so I, I okay. That's and... why I think we disagree. I think that, yes, I understand, and I've written this before, that, you know, Christina Mladenovic, she's a big match player, like, and she will get up for this match. That being said, she comes into this tournament with two matches under her belt, both qualifying matches, barely was able to escape uh, Perez, first yeah, round qualies mm-hmm. in Brisbane, and Ellen then lost to, to, yeah, Ellen Perez. And then it was a scrapper, I think maybe third set tiebreak, but, um, and then uh, lost in straight sets to Samsonova. That's been it for, in terms of singles for and doubles. From I mean, she played a little bit of doubles, but that was pretty much the end of it. She's back to being coachless, isn't she? She's back to being know. coachless. Um, like I said, if Kiki does pulls a Kiki and shows up and makes this a tough one, but it's it's hard. I mean, form does matter. <laughs> I mean, on some level. And Christina Wadenovich, I mean, uh, Carolina Pliskova coming into this tournament with a full week's rest, having beaten, you know, Risk, Osaka, and uh, Keys, um, saving match point against Osaka to beat her there. It, she's riding high on confidence. Um, and I just think that that's... Uh, and she won't underestimate Mladenovic. So she'll she'll come out firing. Um, Ziegemann and Vandewey, yes, big names, etc. Tough outs, but again, I, I just think that on form, the way that Pliskova is playing right now and how confident she is and how well-rested she will be going to this tournament, I like it. I like it for Karolina for her first week. Um, Pavlychenkova, always a player that I'm kind of like, like, that could be tough, but then I looked up their head-to-head and I was like, oh, no, okay. that's, yeah, that, that head-to-head so, is, it seems pretty Yeah, pretty and then, and then she goes through that the first three matches and then the seeds that she could play are either Von Drusheva or Kerber, Kerber who had to retire from her match in Adelaide due to a left hamstring problem and lost in the first round of Brisbane to Sam Stozer. So Kerber hasn't had a ton of match play or or kind of um, reasons that are match, match or results related to be confident going into there, although she has a pretty good draw to get into the third round. And then uh, Vondrusheva opens up against Svetlana Kuznetsova, um, and uh, Vondrusheva playing great. I, I thought that she she nearly took Ash to a third set. She had love 40 to get a break lead in that um Yeah. There's a tighter match in the score language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so in tighter match than the commentary that was down here could suggest. I was (laughs) not impressed by the commentary and how they were discussing Marquetta Vondrusheva. Um, Mm, No, Or at least one of the two, the male commentator, was discussing (laughs) Marquetta Vondrusheva. But um, but yeah, and Vondrusheva is another player that I'm like, circle, like, thank God she's back. First of all, welcome back Marquetta Vondrusheva, who who got injured at Wimbledon after making the French Open final as a shock finalist, to be clear at the French Open last year, uh, announced herself in the comeback way pretty loudly in Adelaide with a second round double bageling of Arena Rodionova. Arena Rodionova had just beaten Sloane Stevens in the first round, uh, two and two, I believe. And what I have to say is my early candidate for worst match of the decade, or let me, worst performance of the decade. Arena was, was a not great bad. match for Arena. Arena, was, Arena was very good. And I don't want to knock her. She's already had several top 100 wins. Actually, she's somewhere in the section too. Yeah, she plays 
uh, Katarina Bondarenko, first round. Hello, winnable, welcome back, Bondo. Winnable section, yeah. So, um, yeah, but that Sloane Stevens performance against against Arena uh, Rodinova in Brisbane, sorry, in Adelaide R1 set a low bar for the decade, um, which hopefully Sloane recovers from because who knows? Because she's a hot and cold player too. And we, mm-hmm. we mentioned Sloane briefly in the first. She's in the second. If quarter. she gets on a roll. If, She'll but get I, on just, a roll. I just don't see it happening here. Where, what, uh, she's in the Kennan section, section near oh. it's a fourth round. Yeah, not a good draw, and she honestly doesn't need a good draw right now because she's probably just going to lose to whoever. Uh, does she open with a qualifier? Oh, she plays Zhang Shuai. Yeah, she's lost to her before here. Remember when she yes. was the Open champ? Yes, yes, yes. So, Nightmare, nightmare Times for Sloane Stevens. Uh, did not mention in this section, uh, the high seed besides Pliskova is number five, Alina Svitolina, who we've only seen, right, in... Uh, in Brisbane, where she aforementioned lady lost one and one to the Daniel Collins uh, juggernaut. Uh, Muguruza is the main name. It was a possible third round in the section. Unseated Garbina Muguruza. People, it's a I good like draw are, for Garbina. Are buying stock in Muguruza yeah, right now. I would, I would I, absolutely. I would, at current absolutely. price, yeah, absolutely. And uh, decent draw opens against a qualifier, and then Tomjanovic or Sevastova. Not an not an easy second round no. per se, but nothing she can't handle. And, and that's and, a Tomjanovic. Ma- I mean. I still, I'm, I'm probably like bigger on Isla Tomjanovic than most, um, slash all, but, um, but I, she's been a name for the last, like, probably like 12 months or so where, where I look for her in a draw and I'm like, okay, she has the ability to pull off early round upsets. I don't know if she's going to go deep, but, um, yeah, so Tomjanovic, Sevastova first round and then winner to potentially play Muguruza. Muguruza must be said just to be highlighting that she did play two tournaments going into um, going into Melbourne, both Shenzhen and Hobart. Both of them ended with a uh, walkover uh, slash retirement. I think it was walkover of both. Or definitely walkover in Hobart. I'm not sure about Shenzhen. Could, maybe she lost in Shenzhen, but I thought that she pulled out. I'm sorry, but uh, off the top of my head. But um, but yeah, just to, to to keep an eye on that. But it's hard to know. Probably likely. That those whatever was 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 uh, precautionary, but I I think this is a great draw from Ugarutsa. Um, she would basically go qualifier if the seeds hold up. Savastava, Svitolina, and then either a Kiki Bertens or uh, an Amanda Anisimova. I also think this is a pretty good draw for Kiki Bertens. I agree. I think this is. I mean, she could very easily make you know quarters to semis of AO. And honestly, ever since Roland Garros, I am just about justice for Kiki Bertens. Like uh-huh. I want her to get her run somewhere i would prefer for it to be at roland garros but like i just think that she got hosed so bad (laughs) by that by whatever happened that was that was that was a situation that was a shit storm (laughs) kiki would say (laughs) yeah (laughs) she wasn't shy (laughs) all right so any parting big picture thoughts on the women's show before we move on to the dudes um no i mean i not really i mean again i can't tell if it's the arrhythmic lead up or if it's just like it's come too quickly and um I can't say that my anticipation is low. My anticipation is quite high. But as of right now, like, I don't hear a lot of people. I don't hear, like, the, the large chorus of, like, 24. I don't hear the no. large chorus of, Ash Barty's going to do it. I don't hear. There isn't really this groundswell of hype around any singular storyline. My main take is at the bottom half is the place to be. That's sort of my big picture, sure. like, yeah. take. Um, just because I think that most of my, if you've given me, like, a chance to come up with five contenders or let's say seven contenders probably like honestly six of them would have landed in the top half minus Pliskova and maybe Halep would be in there too although I haven't seen Halep yet this year much so it's tough for me to tough for me to judge really uh yeah up and down yeah yeah all right dudes Courtney you've not seen the men's draw yet I'm gonna hand you a copy good foley work work. good foley work 
All right. It's be- it's the best Foley work is when you say it's good Foley work into the mic. Exactly. That's literally Foley work. Just saying <laughs> it out loud. All right. Let's start with Rafael Nadal. He's in the top line. His straw is Who great. are these people? <laughs> huh. Okay. Hugo Delian is a, a Bolivian player who I have seen play before. He played at the French Open, so he has been in sanctioned matches previously. Uh, he opened... Yeah, so that's Nadal's first round. Then gets winner of Del Bonus or Joao Sosa. And then possibly Pablo Carreño Busta who I feel like gets great draws all the time, who <laughs> will open against qualifier and then winner of qualifier, qualifier. Um, the main takeaway for Nadal's draw is the possible fourth round against Nick Kyrgios, who is has a good draw himself, I think, uh, at least for the first two rounds against Sinego and the winner of Cuevas and Gilles Simone. That's pretty good. Simone, I can imagine, uh, Simone could, but yeah. he, hasn't, he hasn't played much lately because he was like the captain of the French team and didn't actually play match or played one match as an alternate when Malfis went down. And then uh, Karen Hachanoff, uh, Haren Hachanov, whatever you say. Karen uh, is in there in as a possible third-round opponent. Hachanov, notably, is the player who Nick had his meltdown against in Cincinnati last year, which led to him being on probation, which he's still on. Um, so that could be a tough match for him. That's a good kind of like weekend night match kind of feel for the Australian Open, I feel like. And yeah, we'll see what Curious does. You were remarking, watching the uh, rally for relief, that the crowd, and I noticed this in Brisbane too, I think with his leadership on the fire relief efforts i think the australian public is warmer to nick than they have been previously that could go away yeah no i mean look for right now it is the kid's on probation so like he and he says it himself he's like i ain't doing i mean like i ain't doing anything like so it's kind of like it's actually perfect for the australian summer because not only does nick get to play for his country at for atp cup which we all know nick is amazing in team events and like gets up for them in a way that that um he sometimes doesn't consistently for his singles. He's also been on his primo primo best behavior, which is to say he's just been playing tennis and not doing any extracurriculars. He's said all the right things in terms of, you know, um, you know, bushfire relief and, and being spearheading that as well. He got emotional discussing kind of the impacts of the bushfires on his hometown of Canberra. Yeah, um, one of the hardest hit major cities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, he's just been... It's been the perfect Nick Kyrgios when the spotlight is going to be on him uh, the most, you know. Um, so I think that that's great. I think that the Aussie public deserves to see that because, as you and I remark all the time, it's not like Nick is, like, always getting defaulted from... I mean, he's, like, he's a man who contains multitudes. Right. And there are times where he's great and, like, you know, when he's around kids and when he does charity work and stuff for others and stuff, like... And Australia doesn't always get to see that. And so right now, because... There's so much tennis on, uh, and the coverage is is vast. Like they're really getting kind of like this like King Kyrgios yeah. as as they Benevolent would want him, yeah, yeah as as they would want him to be, and instead of just like Nick not being relevant when because when tra- tennis travels away from Australia, right? Like Nick, it's almost like nothing that Nick does that's like normal matters. So the only thing that gets filtered back is when he's like a jerk on court and does stupid stuff. And so, like, that's all that the Australian public really knows of Nick when tennis is away from Australia. So right now, they're getting kind of like a, a really nice, uh, yeah. yeah, a I nice could be, cuddly Nick. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's really ever had one of his classic jerky moments in Australia ever. I think he's general. I mean, this brings up the best. He loves yeah. playing at home. He's not, he's kind of a homebody by tennis player standards. He's talked about that on NCR and elsewhere. He does not like being on the road. He likes being at home with his family, with his friends and Hopefully that environment can still keep up, even if the team aspect of ATP Cup has receded. He's sure, still yeah. hopefully playing at home, and 
his shot's pretty good. So we'll see what we can do against Kashinov and then that match against Nadal, which I think should have happened at ATP Cup. I think, well, it's tough to know because the rules say it shouldn't have happened. But if Leighton was calling the shots as much as it seemed like he was, you put in Kyrgios, especially if Alex Dimonar is carrying an injury, which ultimately then forced him out of the... Uh, that really sucks, open. by the way. It's I'm ter- really, really bummed bum, about bum that. Bum for Demon, man. I just, I mean... Australian number wants, one, huh? Yeah, the dude, yeah, I didn't realize he's Aussie number one, but like, yeah, that just sucks for everyone involved. Yeah. Ugh. That's a, that's a down note for the tournament to start on, on the men's side, for sure. Well, to lose, yeah, Demon, and then to lose Bianca on the yeah. women's side, it's it's it sucks. Domin- that's right, Bianca, we didn't mention her, but the last Grand Slam champion is not in this draw on the women's side. Dominic Team is the high seed at number five on this part of the draw. It's sort of an emerging talent on hard course. We can say it still has shown some results, won Indian Wells last year, uh, and then made it to the final of the London World Tour Finals last year. So some data is coming in on him. I think his first couple matches are very safe against Manorino and then against Ramos Vignolas or Alex Bolt. Uh, third match could be tricky. Uh, Fritz, who has played him tough in the past at the U.S. Open, or then Kevin Anderson, who looked really good back yeah, from his Kando injury. Yeah, Kando looks great. That could be, and I think, I believe Kando has a very good record against the team, if I'm not mistaken. So Kando could be a very challenging third round, and probably on current form, and team was not great actually in ATP Cup, I believe, and Australia did not make it out of group. Uh, I think that that Anderson is kind of the spoiler here. Fritz has had a rough start, so I would actually pick Anderson fairly comfortably to make best quarters. Best of five. Yeah, quarters. Kando I'm, playing best of five for the first time. It's, it's a lot on the body. Quarters. Kando quarters. Kando quarters. Kando can do. Yeah, no, this... Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see that because I see the other seeds in his section. Yeah, uh, the other <laughs> section, uh, part of it is uh, Gail Monfils, and uh, who's dealing with a knee injury, obviously, as he frequently is, and uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime, who did not have a good start to the year. I guess he's still alive in going through some soft matches in Adelaide, which might give him some confidence, but ATP Cup, he was not good. Um, and uh, that was notable and just sort of... It's interesting with Felix, because Felix has, it feels unfair to be this sort of like, quote unquote, critical of Felix, given how young he is. I mean, he's, I think, believe he's still 18 or 19, one of those two. And so it feels weird to be like, kind of like down telling him, but also his ranking has gotten so high so quickly by playing, mm-hmm. making a lot of like finals, I think at the Rio 500. So therefore of, results kind of look disappointing. We're right. I mean, he, because, because he, and he hasn't really had like, I mean, he's beaten Tsitsipas a few times. He owns Tsitsipas, but... Otherwise, Who hasn't? Not, but I, yeah, but he kind of has, you know, I don't know. It, feel, it feels a little bit inflated with Felix. I would almost like to see his ranking dip a little bit so he can get more time to build and more time to be the hunter and not the hunted because I feel like he's just kind of the hunted and bold face in this draw maybe before he's ready for. And he's only, I believe, won two Grand Slam matches in his career. So uh, we will see which career, quote-unquote, which is, you know, barely a month old, it feels like. Uh, second quarter, so all, all this to say, I think it's a not all curious, we'll see. Kiros is 2-1 and one against Nadal on hardcourt, so that could be a good match, and crowd could be good. Obviously, Nadal's great best-of-five player, much better than Nick. Nick has a big drop-off in winning percentage against top players when it comes to best-of-five matches. Although he has beaten Nadal at Wimbledon once and then lost once to him there as well. All that is to say, after all that discussion, is Rafa Nadal not making the semis? Oh, he should be. I mean, big three remain prohibitive favorites in their quarters, I believe, uh, until proven otherwise. Uh, the one quarter without, this is kind of segue into, without a big three player is the Medvedev quarter, his first time as number four. First time having a Medvedev quarter at a slam. Here for it. Uh, he, um, actually it's interesting, it's funny that he's in this Zverev. Zverev is also in his quarter because Zverev's had several quarters to himself before and never made a semi. Um, Medvedev 
Opens against Francis Tiafo. Tiafo, mega draw loser in this men's draw, defending quarterfinal points. Could fall to around 80 in Ooh. the rankings if he does not make it through that match. I believe he was seated at the French <clears throat> Open, so that's a, a pretty sharp dip. And Francis also has quarters to defend coming up in Miami, which is relatively soon. And I think if he doesn't do that, that could get him maybe outside top 100. Yikes. So Francis did not have a good second half to last year. This is not surprising if you've been tracking Francis, but it can just kind of be it's one of those precipice moments um, for him. Medvedev, I, I would think, would be good against Tiafo. He beat him in Washington last year. That match, remember, where Tiafo didn't run for that ball and Medvedev got it back. Tiafo turned his back like because he thought he won the point. Sure. Anyway, I, it was memorable for me being there. Uh, it could play Dominic Ooh, Kupfer. Kupfer. Dominic isn't Kupfer. That the, isn't that that's the match from the U.S. Open, right? Medvedev Kepfer? That was the that second was match. That was the the, the uh, bring on the booze. That was uh, Feliciano. Oh, that was Feliciano. But the one after, the, after that, that was Kepfer. Yeah, Kepfer. So <laughs> Medvedev has trolled against Kepfer in the past. Dominic Kepfer had a really good U.S. Open. Announced himself there. Practice pre-tournament with Allison Risk. Yeah, he's being uh, coached by, by Billy, Billy Heiser. Heiser. Yeah, so yeah. on the Heiser team. Heiser's splitting time between Risk and Kepfer. And then uh, Medvedev could get Sanga third round, which is at this point, I think, not the toughest draw. Sanga has Paparin, who has a, had a good run here last year. Although Sanga's had a quietly good year. I feel unfair to Sanga just because he's been so much higher. Like, I'm not hyped about Sanga getting back to being top 30, even though it was a great comeback from his injuries and everything. Maybe if he gets a win against Medvedev, that could be a way to really sort of meaningfully reannounce himself as a, as a contender. And then the next sort of fourth-round opponents for uh, Medvedev would be probably the winner of the very likely-looking third round between John Isner and... And Stan Wawrinka. Yeah. Um, so overall, I like this draw from Medvedev. He's really good against Isner if he gets Isner. Or destroy oh my him God, at he destroyed him at ATP anyway. Cup. Or uh, Stan, I, he beat Stan at US Open. So I, I like this draw from Medvedev. Medvedev, and then he's been good recently against Zverev. In uh, that bottom eighth, Rublev is in here too. Rublev just won Doha, and I believe is winning currently in Auckland. And so he's doing well. So that's the one name as a possible quarter an all-Russian match, but he's beaten him, Michael. Yeah, I actually Ooh, like I like give, that. Give me Sasha versus Rude, second round. That, that would be fun. That could be good. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, so I, I always to say, I really like this draw from Medvedev. I am pretty confident in his chances of making a semi. And who knows who comes out of that top semifinal. And Nadal would be a fun thing to see him rematch after their great mm, yeah. US Open final. So I Chalk would be, I think, entertaining yeah, here. I, I, I vote for Chalk. Yeah, there we go. Top half Chalk. And then if it's Kyrgios, too. Kyrgios isn't the main spoiler to watch out for mm-hmm. of that chalk match. Bottom half. The Do Fed- people know what chalk means outside chalk, of the States? Yeah, chalk means results going by seeding as expected. It's C-H-A-L-K like, is the word chalk because you, yeah, right you just write it, you write it through. Yeah, you just go a, by it's seed. a March Madness term, generally. Yeah. Uh, Roger Federer, number three seed, has the third quarter to himself. Uh, he has a... Good first couple of matches, I think, against Steve Johnson and Philip Krajinovic. Thank and you for saying couple. Yeah, then could get your <laughs> boy you. Hubie Hurtcatch. Eat him, Hubie. <laughs> That's what I tweeted when I saw him. <laughs> By the way, do you want to take this moment to explain your Twitter decision? Uh, oh, sure. Open? Yeah, so I've been talking about it. Ben knows. I've been thinking about it for a while. I've been thinking about it a lot last year during the slams that I wanted to go private. I wanted to lock my Twitter account during slams. And so this year is the first time that I've done it. So I've done it. My account is, my private account is, or my 40 deuce count is currently locked. And the reason why is because whenever the slams roll around, you get all these people who all of a sudden are following tennis. Um, And this I don't even mean about fans. This is primarily kind of more geared towards 
reporters and writers and people who, aggregators. aggregators bloggers not bloggers that's not right but like yeah who all of a sudden it's you know tennis is their beat for two weeks they're charged with finding stories. What you call locals. People what who I pop call up locals. only occasionally. Exactly. Yeah. What that's what I meant by locals. Not Australians. Not Australians. I love Australians. But um yeah, and then all of a sudden, like my tweets end up being like embedded in articles and like the basis for stories when I'm just like futzing around. And it's really annoying. And then those articles then get posted and then the tweets are embedded in the articles. And then you get just like these asshole dudes who are like then replying to that tweet to me. Like about when, whenever I tweet about equal pay, for example, whenever I p- tweet about a uh, Margaret Court, scheduling like scheduling, like whatever. And I'm just not about it and it pisses me off. So, um, and it's not like I'm on Twitter to be famous. Like, I don't really care about being retweeted at all. I never have. So that's primarily why during the slams. And the funny thing about this is that actually at two of the slams, it's not an issue. And at another two slams, it's a massive issue. And so sorry to the other two slams. <laughs> sorry to these slams. Sorry to, sorry to these slams. Like, I love you and your people. It's not a problem. But other two slams, honestly, F off. Here in Wimbledon, I'm guessing. I'm not confirming nor denying because I don't want to throw anything under the bus. But I just, I can't with tabloids. I just can't. And I just don't like it. So that's why I'm locking it down. So like I said, I'll, re- I'll reopen it afterwards. Somebody like emailed me and was like, you kind of did it without warning. Maybe like you should like just reopen for a day and just let people follow and then lock it again. I mean, you can still accept follows. Yeah, I, I still can. And we got an email from, I think, Kathy, who was like, hey, I really want to follow. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, but um, yeah, so that's all. It's just self-care. And just and honestly, it's only been like 48 hours. So freeing. You seem great. I've been like living my <laughs> best life. Happy, smile lights the room. Skin has I'm just, cleared. Everything is I'm just beautiful. Cracking, I'm just cracking jokes. Because I also feel like my Twitter account is very much like... You have to kind of know the context of where things are coming from. That's what I've said. And you... if you take them out of context, like I don't need I don't need somebody in Britain using a, a tweet where I'm like ripping on Andy Murray to be like WT writer hates Andy Murray. Like don't need it. You don't even know. Don't even need it. So I'm just not about it. Roger Federer doesn't need it either. Uh, he doesn't need Greta. Lock your account, Roger. <laughs> Keep Greta away. <laughs> Roger Federer. Yeah, uh, her catch, I think, is tricky. Could be an interesting sort of moment. Or Millman, who beat him at US Open last year. Not the not the best, not the worst draw for Roger. Kind of a medium draw. And then fourth round could be a couple interesting young guns. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov. Is he young? Uh, well, he feels young. I, I think you meant. I think you meant Shapo or Sinner is what you meant by young guns. I was getting there. I was getting there. Shapo and Sinner. Uh, Yannick Sinner. Uh, opens against the qualifier and then gets Shapovalov, who gets a probably pretty winnable, easy Playing match. Playing very well, Martin. Yeah, Shapovalov. Yeah, he really is. He I've was been very impressed. Unlike Felix, he had a really good ATP yeah. in a tougher group. Um, so, yeah, so Dennis <clears> is. It, I don't think he's done well at all against Federer in the past, but he'll get a shot potentially. If that Dimitrov Shapo match can be kind of a fun Margaret Court kind of mm-hmm. match, it's like a, a good medium seeds in the teens kind of third round match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and center, but we can see center. I mean, I'm very high on center. Rough. Don't love his second round draw getting Chapeau, but we'll see. I, I still believe in the center and the redemption of him. Uh, the other part of this draw, I think, is really soft. This top part with Matteo Berrettini, who is, I mean, not a bad player, but I think he'll just, like, really unproven Whoa, he's still. still number eight? Number eight. He qualified oh, for yeah, London. Oh, yeah. Sorry, my fault. Yes. Made US I, sorry. Yeah. For a split second, I confused him with Checkinato. Oh, no. I was like, what? No, no, okay, no. Checkinato is somewhere else in here. Uh, yeah, this section is pretty open. Pea, sorry, Pella. And Borna Chorich are not having the best time as seeds. Fabio Fanini, not really a hard court, consistent performer. Ooh. 
Uh, Give Fanini. me Fanini, Sasha Bubbles, That'd second round. Sasha Bubbles, a.k.a. Alexander Bublik, that's his government name, uh, <laughs> are in uh, possible second round. Riley Opelka, promising, fast-rising top 40 player, plays Fanini here. He's a bit of a spoiler. Um, it'll, be, it'll be an interesting player makes quarters. If it's not Berrettini, it'll be interesting anyway. If Berrettini backs up his run of making a quarterfinal, that's like a good, like, hey, I'm a sturdy, reliable top yeah. 10 player. I just did a thing that I should do. Um, if he doesn't, not surprising, but then it gets pretty open in terms of who gets it out of here. It seems here. very Fanini, this section. You think Fanini gets it? I think Fanini makes the quarters out of this. Hmm, interesting. I would take I would take Berrettini. By the way, Tennis Sangren is in here as a second round for Berrettini, currently going sleeveless, tank tops, Rafa style. Just putting that out there as a, as a fair why, warning to people. Why do you... Whatever. Anyway. It's a, it's a tan lines, I guess, or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so this is the Federer section. I think Federer... Good quarterfinal for Federer, who he gets here. So I think overall he's probably a draw draw winner, except for the fact that he gets Novak Djokovic in his half. I think he's still always the player to beat in Melbourne. Let's move to Djokovic's quarter, the bottom quarter. Djokovic gets a tough opening match against Jan Leonard Struff, who's uh, one of the more improving players, big, sturdy guy. Not the kind of player who's usually complicating for Djokovic. I mean, a kind of less mobile, big hitter is a thing Djokovic knows how to handle. Yeah, he'll pick him apart. Yeah, I would think he'd be okay, but... Rough draw for Struff, I guess is what I'm saying there. And then gets... Sorry, Struff stands. <laughs> I'm sure they're out there. Are uh, they? Yeah, I think so. I think Cody Fitzpatrick is a Struff stand. Okay. I think he says he looks like him, which fair enough reason to stand. Uh, Dan Evans is the first seed Djokovic could face. Dan Evans opens against Mackenzie McDonald, who's coming back from his injury issues. So good to see Mackenzie back in a draw. And then possibly gets his ATP Cup teammate Dushan Lajevic in the fourth round or Diego Schwartzman. Uh... Overall, yeah, I think this is actually a pretty good draw for Novak until he gets to the quarters. Wait, what? Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. No, just the way that you jumped around, I got really confused. Okay. That makes I sense. I thought now. you were saying that Dan Evans is Davis Cup fed to. to oh, no, no, no. Lajevic is. You were referring to Novak Djokovic. Correct. Who you hadn't mentioned for 10 sentences, but Okay. Djokovic is the teammate of Dushan. The Serbs are the champions ATP Cup. All hail Serbia. They could play in the fourth round. And then uh, Tsitsipas, I think, has a pretty good draw, uh, opening against Salvatore Caruso, uh, which is great. And then Cole Schreiber is kind of on his way down, or Giron. And then Ronich, I have just not seen much of lately, so I don't really know really know what to make of him or Christian Garim. Maybe, uh, yeah, I think this is yeah, a really good for Steph. Good for Steph, and then he get fourth round potentially tough against Batista Gut. Not a fourth rounder you want to face, but beat him quarters here last year, and that's been a decent matchup for him. So. Uh, Steph against Djokovic will be could be a fun uh, yeah, quarterfinal. That'd be a pretty it. loaded one. I'd be I'd be down. Oh. Yeah, it's interesting. It's funny and because just looking at the men's draw, right? I mean, especially when you contrast it a little bit with kind of how we were discussing the women's draw. And I'm not saying anything that's new here, but I'm just reiterating it because new decade, same story. But new, um, new decade, same me. Yeah, it's funny how much like on the men's side I want chalk, and how much on the women's side I don't even go even close to predicting no. seeds going through like and i don't even know what i want if there is chalk it'd be fine in the women's oh yeah yeah but yeah. it just it's just currently just where things are at like even though there has been a little bit more kind of i mean and also maybe because like now with the way that the atp top eight um are there is more kind of like i haven't seen stefan novak play five thousand times yeah so it is kind of like yes, I would like to see that. Like, you haven't or, seen Medvedev five thousand. Right, times exactly. So it's kind of like yeah. yes, please. Like I would still my appetite for that player's tennis and my curiosity about their career 
and what and their capabilities is still like very much like um present whereas like it felt like maybe five years ago when the top eight when we were you know when we were talking about our players of the decade and yeah. it was like Burdick and Sanga and Ferrer it was just like ugh chalk it like you know like, it almost feels like a gardening thing this is gonna be harsh to these players but we're like the kind of like dead branches of the tree were cut away in terms of like Ferrer and Burdick and a little bit Sanga and now there's like new blossoms sure I'm pretty sure there was a better way to say that but yes I, your analogy is, is accurate, but like, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I just, I'm curious about a lot of these, these, these newer guys. And so like, if they were to go out early, like I would be bummed. Whereas I mean. like in the past, I'd be like, come on, somebody beat Ferrer. Like, you know what I mean? And only not, and it wasn't about David Ferrer. It was just like, I'd seen this show too many times. Yeah. It was a rerun. I didn't need to see it again because I knew how it was going to end. And here it's like, I don't necessarily know how it's going to end when, Steph plays Novak. I think I know, I but say, I don't know. I will point out that this has been something that did not really materialize the last two slams. The last two slams, Steph and team both lost first round in both Wimbledon and U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Zverev lost first round Wimbledon and third round, I think, to Schwartzman, maybe fourth. U.S. Open, anyway, it's not a factor. Medvedev came through. Medvedev was like the yeah. fresh blood there. And cut for even a little bit, too, if you want but to every, him. But, I mean, the ATP, am I, aren't I right on this? That the ATP slams... Have at least had at least one, like, well maybe I'm wrong. What was RG? Uh, final semis. Was, uh, semis were uh, team beating Novak and Rafa beating Roger. Okay, so not exactly. So I'll take it back because I was gonna say that like actually maybe I just have like because Steph obviously here, uh, you know, twelve months ago, and then Medvedev in New York. Wimbledon was pretty straightforward, wasn't it? Semis. Wimbledon at uh yes yes it was yeah. Federer beating Rafa and Novak beating uh Batista I think oh yeah that was tro- it was the top three were the yeah, last three tough. left yeah yeah so no I I just so yeah I I I yeah yeah anyway yeah 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 this is our <laughs> French uh not French Open our Australian Open draw preview show looking forward to being with you a lot giving you a lot of NCR content in. Uh, the next few days. I actually just recorded before we did this an interview put up a day after this one with Stu Fraser talking about uh, covering the smoke in the air here. He was in Sydney too, which also had issues mm-hmm. and got to Australia and qualifying before I did. It was here on the bad day on Tuesday. So going through a bit of that, which is going to be a running story through the tournament. And yeah, we'll try to come with you, come at you with more mid tournament, more 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 mid slam content than we have in the past. Uh, so looking forward to being able to ramp that up a bit for y'all in the new decade. Any other parting rant rave thoughts in uh, in Australia? I'll, I'll do my little thank you for following NCR when you're not listening to the show. You can follow us on Twitter. It's the best way probably at NCR underscore tennis. Follow us both individually at Ben Rothenberg. And if you were lucky enough to follow the locked court in a win at 42 Twits, it's a real privilege. Uh, and yeah, you can also uh, send us emails. No challenges remaining at gmail.com. Did I say that right? No challenges remaining at gmail.com. Sure, let's go with that. And leave us reviews on whatever podcasting service you use. We appreciate that. And subscribe to get new episodes automatically. And we will have, like I said, hopefully a bunch of them rolling out at various times during this tournament. Maybe not daily like we did in 2016, but hopefully a good number. Yeah. Uh, no rants raised. We can just wrap it there. No, I mean, uh, I have to say I've been here just for 48 hours. I got here from Adelaide on 
uh, late Wednesday night, mm-hmm. and then obviously been here Thursday, Friday. The weather's been beautiful. It has been really nice. So here. I feel like there's a little bit of um, just speaking about the weather in Melbourne and the smoke. I do think there were genuine issues on the day that qualifying. Like in other words, I haven't heard what Stu had to say, but I think there was genuine issues that day, and and whether or not and whatever. But I also don't want people who are like far away from here yeah. and reading a lot of the coverage because nobody's saying everybody's tweeting when things are when everything's really bad but nobody's tweeting when it's like it's an absolutely gorgeous day in melbourne today and it was lovely yesterday it wasn't even hot it was awesome um rain is supposed to come uh, at different points which will also help things as well and that the weather the air quality here is just going to depend on which way the wind blows and it's not a constant thing and i just kind of feel like there's yeah. a little bit of like sensationalization not to again not to underplay what happened on tuesday but like and i think it's coming from afar too i feel like yeah there's just a little bit like if you're not here you don't know and you freak out the fan reaction has been like or not even like i think locals or not even like (laughs) overseas locals uh (laughs) here are basically just saying locals to use your parlance or whatever you want to say casual observers very casual observers of Australia and of tennis. When neither of the, when they're not part of either Venn diagram, they say, "Oh my gosh, they're gonna they should cancel the Australian Open." Like, n- slow down. Like what I said about Tuesday when they played was like they're gonna be good days and bad days yep. with the wind here. We'll have lots of good days ahead. Hopefully, more good days than bad days. I think we'll get more good days than bad days, but there will be some probably some bad days in the future if the winds blow the wrong way and if the fires don't dampen with the rains, which hopefully they do and things just calm down and it's not a story. But you know. There will be good days and bad days. They might have a five-hour delay. Whatever. They might not play at all one day. But, and I hope, and I yeah. genuinely hope that they are aggressive in postponing or calling off play. I, I, I really so. do hope that that's the case once the tournament gets Australian underway. MO, but we'll see. It hasn't been in the past, but I really hope that that is the case. But yes, it'll. There'll be good days. There'll be bad days, and you know, the kind of nonstop like air quality monitoring and things like that. And, oh my gosh, it's this. And oh, in an hour, it's going to be, it's like, okay, everyone, like, it's, and I say this as somebody who was not here on Tuesday. So it, I don't under, I don't, I don't, um, we haven't been out in it. Either of us have not been out in like bad. No, I, yet. N- at been, all. In this trip. Brisbane, Adelaide, they here. I've, I've just never. So, um, but you know, I know bad air. Um, when I see it and smell it, and you yeah, can, sure. and you can, you can, you can physically. Yeah, Stu talks about that a bunch on the it. show. Yeah, you just can sort taste of it in his hotel mouth. room, waking up, being like, "Whoa, this is different." Yeah. The morning it blew in to say right, and I told, and that's the thing. It's like I totally, like I said, like I just, but in fairness to, fairness on both sides, like, yeah, yeah. if it's bad, we'll let you know. <laughs> we will let you know, and yeah, and right now it's been good. I took, it's, I tweeted a photo. I got into Melbourne of the blue sky, being like, hey, happy to see that it's blue. Hope it stays that way. We will see. I drove to Melbourne, folks, by the way. That was very exciting. On the left side of the road, it was uh, something I was nervous about doing, but excited to do because I felt like we I'd were seen, all nervous about Ben doing this. Seen uh, so little of, Mel- of Australia. I've been, this is my ninth time going to Australia, and I feel like I've seen almost none of I had seen almost none of it yeah. outside of the big cities that host the big capital cities yeah. that, of the states which host tennis. So, what was the drive like? Uh, just purely on the left side part, the hard part was the very beginning, because after leaving the Adelaide airport, I picked up my car, I had to go back through the Adelaide like kind of city center mm-hmm. on the GPS, and that was more, it was also just brand new, mm-hmm. A. It was tough knowing, like, if the car was, like, centered correctly in the lane, mm. because there was you're... so much more of it to my left and so much <laughs> yeah. less of it to my right that I'm usually sort of, you know, normally I can 
be in a seat and just sort of have my peripheral vision and know where I am mm-hmm. better. So that took some adjusting. And I was always really happy whenever there was anyone in front of me who was, like, making the same turn I was. I could just, like, oh, I'll follow you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be yeah. kind of sherpa along uh, But, like, in terms there. of scenery and stuff like that. Scenery was nice. There's a bunch of, like, small kind of country towns passed through in South Australia. I did not take the coastal route in South Australia. I kind of made a more straight shot to Port Ferry. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of just sort of, you know, small little towns. A couple, I took, there's a cool, like, a lot of, like, derelict, interesting, very racket aesthetic tennis courts. Oh, cool. That are sort of, like, abandoned, overgrown, and nice in that way. Stopped at one of those. And yeah, and then it was kind of drizzly and not nice in Port Ferry, which as I've heard is a nice place, but didn't go out too much there. And then the next day I did the Great Ocean Road mm-hmm. or part oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How right. was that? It was nice. It was good. It was yeah. very touristy. There's a lot of like pull-offs for amazing scenery, but they're also crowded with tourists. But sure. it was kind of felt like the more touristy parts of Iceland was similar to that in my Or like Pacific Coast Highway, not mm-hmm. that different. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was, it was that was really nice. Got to see some of that. And yeah, it just felt good, you know, driving and... Uh, hearing uh, and just seeing more of it was sort of fulfilled that mission and happy that I sort of was not daunted in the end by the left once you're on the road like the left side thing does not bother me the only like quote-unquote mistake I made is the second morning I you know left my motel room and went out to the car and opened the door like on the wrong side of the car to get in like, oh <laughs> there's no wheel here let me shut yep. that door and go to the other side but otherwise it was it was good so I feel like a good now I have more confidence for better or worse to do that in the future and I think Australia it has to be easier to drive sure. in than England or Ireland as a le- as a other left side country because the roads are really wide and things are spread out and not as I didn't gr- do, not I, as aggressive driving either like no. in terms of like you know people are pretty so, chill behind the yeah. wheel and I also did not do anything in like real city centers because mm-hmm. like we've seen the cars in Melbourne how these like hook rights they make yeah, and yeah. stuff it's not something I would feel like I knew how to do so uh, avoid give a good intro level so I'm happy about that listened to. Um, the Ringer podcast's predictions of Oscar nominations and their reactions to them right after. <laughs> uh, so those were good. Uh, Sean Fennessy's enthusiasm for all things that were very, were very contagious the whole time. And yeah, Amanda Dobbins's rage also, yeah. I feel. Oh, her Joker rage. <laughs> her Joker it. rage is just, I mean, yeah, it's great. I haven't, I still haven't seen it. I heard you're going to go see Jojo Rabbit tonight. I think that is the plan, is to go see Jojo Rabbit. Um, I've already seen it. I yes. enjoyed it. I'm going to Nick McCarvel's event tonight, by the way. We'll Tomorrow night, on. if you're interested, Bombshell is showing on a rooftop cinema in huh. somewhere at like 9 p.m., which I'm is intrigued. something that's like, I'm like, depending on the weather. I mean, it might be too cold, weirdly. Like, I want to be able to hear that movie. We'll be able to hear that movie well. Does, is it not just Billie Eilish just playing over the whole um, movie? <laughs> I've seen that trailer for Bombshell. <laughs> So many times, you guys. I'll make Billy Eilish the outro here. Like, <laughs> literally, I went to see Knives Out, and they played the Bombshell trailer back-to-back twice. And then I was just like, by the second I was like singing, I knew exactly when the musical cues would come in. And they use it in a lot of commercials here. They use yeah. it in a commercial a Kia for commercial. Kia. They use it in a commercial for something else, too. Oh, for... Doctor. Something Doctor. Yeah, the Bad, the bad, bad doc- Doctor something or like something like TV that. TV show about a trashy doctor in Australia. Because... <laughs> He's the bad guy. It's always so literal. So, Kia at least is not literal. They're not like, it's a bad car. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's at least somewhat just like enjoying the beat. So I appreciate Billie Eilish at this stage of her career just selling out hard. Be like, anyone who wants this song can use <laughs> please, it. Please take take my I song. Yeah, get, I respect it. Get, get your, your money, money Billy. <laughs> I mean, you're 19 years old. Make the money and then go be, go be even weirder going forward. Honestly, being a woman who's getting her money has the perfect first name. Billy. Oh. Come on now. So true. Tennis is alive. <laughs> and with that, here's Philly Alish and Bad Guy. <laughs> <laughs>